Each child is a gift from God, an embodied soul. How do I develop a lesson so that it meets their needs? We want to learn things for the love of learning and for the sake of learning and because it's beautiful, not because we can be on show. If you're gonna treat a child as a person, efficiency really has to drop low on your list of values because they're not wired to be efficient. Her starting point was always theological. In God's word, what does it say about children teaching and learning? And I'll say, those are the first grade stairs. We're walking up the first grade stairs. And every step is so important. Today you're on the first step. So everything will be new. But tomorrow, you'll be on the second step. And there will be some things that we've done today that we'll be doing tomorrow. And so you'll remember those things. Trinity School has a long-standing tradition of reading and growing together as a community. Over the past two decades, we've explored a range of works in our Trinity Reads program from the Bible to Tolstoy to Hans Christian Andersen and Andy Crouch. Join us this summer as we take a deeper dive into the rich and unhurried mission of Trinity School. My name's Chip Denton. I'm the head of school at Trinity School of Durham and Chapel Hill, and this is our podcast series. We're reading Susan Schaefer Macaulay's For the Children's Sake together as a school, and today it's my privilege to be with Lindsay Rogers. Lindsay, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Sure. Lindsay is a, a kindergarten teacher and uh, also a Trinity parent, and I... Um, yeah, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your family and how you all got to Trinity and how long you've been here? So I have a rising seventh grader named Hudson and a rising fifth grader named Holt, and we came to Trinity when Hudson was in kindergarten. And we were really searching for a place that was going to meet the needs of his education, but our family as well. And mm -hmm. Trinity just kept coming back to us. And we just kept hearing about this place that I just felt like we needed to check out and go a little deeper in. And so we came to visit and we were kind of on the later end of admissions. We didn't come visit until May. And mm. Just everything that I saw was just the Lord just opening doors and showing us this is where you need to be. And so Hudson was in kindergarten and had a fabulous year. And I tell my parents that I have in my classroom um, during parent night that I saw the ways that I learned about in my education programs. This That was what was happening at Trinity. Huh. Um how children were learning and how they were loved and were respected were the ways that I learned about that I necessarily hadn't seen when I had taught elsewhere. And yeah. so because it was such a wonderful experience for Hudson, I knew that I needed to be there. And so God just opened doors and allowed me to come in and um, be a part of the kindergarten team that very next year. And that's so great. that's how our family got here. Well, we're grateful that you are here and um, your your kindergarten class is, is really a, a model of, of what we're talking about this summer and reading this book of... of um, this Charlotte Mason infused education. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk with you. I, I interview a lot of teachers in this mm -hmm. job and, uh, or potential teachers. And, and I do hear a lot. People say, this is the way I, this is why I got into education. 
because I want to teach this way. When I when I read your expanded mission statement or when I read about Charlie Mason or the classical method, this is or I or I step into one of the classrooms, this is the way that I want to teach. So your experience is is uh, is common there, and and I love that. Um, um, can you talk a little bit about um, what you think of when you hear the words rich and unhurried? Those are two uh, really important phrases from our mission statement. And they're kind of, in some ways, proxies or ciphers for Charlotte Mason to a large extent. And I wonder, what do you think of when you hear those those words? Sure. So the two things that come to my mind when I think of a Trinity education um, is one where the students are known and loved, and then one where the curriculum is rich and unhurried. And so my very first thought when I hear the words rich and unhurried education is where one where a teacher has time to go deeper and to um, have the freedom to explore the interest of their students, especially in those early grades. I believe that play is such an important mm-hmm. part of the school day. And I think in our society, sometimes that gets overlooked and not valued the way that it should be. Um, but all students should have time during the day to um, freely explore and discover and go deeper in their learning. Um, and I love how our rich and unhurried curriculum allows for students to do this. I'm always so amazed in my classroom when I offer the students materials and kind of have in my mind how they might interact with right. them. And then they take it to another level. Um, oh. For instance, we have a very beloved center, our Kaplan blocks, where kids use these wooden blocks to make tall towers and roads. Mm-hmm. And one year we were learning about even and odd numbers in math. And a student used these Kaplan blocks all on his own, no direction from myself or another teacher, to figure out that even and even numbers always make even numbers. Even and odd numbers always make odd numbers. And so it was just such an example of how when kids are given that time and given that freedom for exploration, how their learning just can expand. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that that, uh, freedom for you as a teacher to... um, shape your day right in a way that allows for that um that's that's great so we're we're reading this week chapter four um of susan schaefer mccauley's book uh the chapter is called a new perspective and we're looking at at pages 59 to 75 especially today with Lindsay. and there there are two big ideas in that chapter that i wanted to explore um the the first one is a principle that sometimes uh, Mason liked to speak of it as the sacredness of personhood. Um, and we've talked in previous podcasts about um, being born person, that idea. Uh, so th- some others have talked about that. Um, here's here's a quote from Mason. I'd love to hear you just reflect on this, Lindsay. Um, These principles of authority and obedience, and we talked last week with um, Lori Stepp about that, these principles of authority and obedience are limited by the respect due to the personality of children, which must not be encroached upon, whether by fear or love, suggestion or influence, or undue play upon any one natural desire. Uh, what, What do you, when you read that, what do you think of? I think about how the child and the person is created um, with a body, a mind, a soul, a spirit, a will, Mm -hmm. emotions, 
and they're born with these gifts and attributes that are unique to the purpose that God has designed for them. And so I loved how Charlotte Basin really recognizes that children are created in God's image. Right. Um, and this is foundational to her philosophy and her methodologies. And so I feel like it's really important and imperative that we take this into consideration when we are educating students in our classroom. Um, Mm -hmm. I love how Charlotte Mason, she really embraces the differences in children and Mm -hmm. her methods allow for us to be flexible um, to help the child grow and develop at their own pace. Um, We're able to offer them rich ideas through books and experiences and exploring nature. um, And these ideas help the child grow um, more knowledge. And so I think that this sacredness of personhood that she talks about really encourages me to nurture um, the child as an individual and mm-hmm. just help them to grow as a person, which is ultimately what our um, goal is, even in the earliest years of schooling. Um, and so I think it's our job as teachers and as parents to um cultivate what the Lord's already put there, um, that they are born as complete persons. And so um, just nourishing their minds and their bodies with the truth, beauty, and goodness. Yeah. I wonder what that's like for you on the first day of class in a kindergarten class, and you've got these kids coming in, and they're they're excited and afraid and all these mixtures of emotions. Their parents are, especially if it's the first child, it's like this huge event. And you... And they're in there, and and there you are, and you've got a group of kids, and they're all born persons, like with all that you just described. It's like, uh, what's that? What's that moment like for you? And when you start a new year and a new class, it really is almost like a puzzle that I'm trying to solve. You huh. know, who, who. What interest does this group have? Are there kids who, you know, they are thrilled by nature and um, by the sciences? What does that look like? Um, What do kids, what are their expectations of what this day is or what our day is going to look like together? And so I feel like it's really kind of that mystery that we're solving at first, getting to know the kids. Oh, I love that, a mystery, yeah. Yeah, getting to know the kids and their families and, um, you know, how they will best respond to what we're offering. Them. Yeah. Well, I think you just you just gave me a picture of what a, a good teacher is curious and has a sense of wonder and just, and respect for the kids that are right there in, in her classroom. And yeah, that's a that's a beautiful thing. Um, I think Mason would have really uh, agreed with that and appreciated that. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, what Mason says um that fear, both fear and praise uh, can be used to manipulate the child. This is this is really interesting and maybe a little bit hard for us to get our our minds around, especially the fear part I think we get. The praise part is maybe not as, as intuitive for us. What she uh, wanted for the child, I think, was for her to stand on her own feet. Uh, sure. This is a quote, one of the greatest dangers of strong adults is that they can encourage children to be weak, or even parasites. That's a strong word there, a strong metaphor there. Um, How does this, how do you think about this, and how does it impact the way that you do kindergarten? I think this points back to exactly what we were talking about, about the sacredness of personhood. And um, because children are whole persons who are 
you know, image bearers of God, they're to be treated with respect and dignity. Um, they have these teachable hearts, and we need to be aware of our authority as a teacher and careful not to abuse that. Hmm. Um, I think there's a difference and a fine line between natural motivation yep. and controlling um, manipulation. And so I think we cross into that line of manipulation when we're trying to control children through fear or love or suggestion or some of the things that were mentioned in the book. And so I think we just need to be really aware of our authority. Um, And instead of using that fear or manipulation, um, I want to lean on the relationships that I have built with my students, Mm -hmm. um, that I've cultivated with each child to address their learning and their behaviors um, in the classroom. And so, you know, I think it all leads back to really trying to teach our students a love of learning by bringing that joy and delight and beauty into daily habit training and asking the right sorts of questions without manipulation of fear and praise. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I think of this sometimes. um, So at at Trinity, we do a fair amount of memorization Mm -hmm. and our kids learn some pretty amazing things at young grades. And I, whether it's to, I don't know, to say the Pledge of Allegiance in Latin or to recite a poem or to, and sometimes as parents, there's this, um, we can, we can put them on display in a certain way. It's sort of like maybe with the family, it's like here, truck them out and have them like show off what they know. And, and there's something really good about that Mm -hmm. to demonstrate what they know, but there's also a way of playing on like doing it for the praise of people as opposed to doing it because this is just a beautiful poem and I love this poem and I want to recite it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like we really, you know, I want my kids to be intrinsically motivated and exactly like you said, you know, we want to learn things for the love of learning and for the sake of learning and because it's beautiful, not because we can be on show or on display. Yeah. I don't know if this phrase is from Mason, but I always attribute it. I, I connect her with it. A, a job well done is its own reward. Yes. I think this sense of, um, and uh, I don't think that means that we can't have external rewards, but it's just to know that there is this deeper sense of satisfaction and just doing something well, enjoying it. That is that Mason is always going for, and that that those those desires are much more valuable than the. the more extrinsic design. And I think they last a lot longer too. Yeah. And children remember how they felt. Yeah. Um, she also, uh, we're going to shift gears here in a minute, but she does talk a little bit about uh, power and ambition on page 67. Um, and these are, these also have their place, uh, but they have, uh, they, they can be used to manipulate as well. Yes. What, what do you think of when you hear that? I think that we just need to be really careful as, like I was saying, as our position as teachers and as um, the authority in the classroom to really make sure that we are going against that and not um, using that to make students feel like they need to learn, that we are using our position for them to really um enjoy learning that that's what I want them to take away you know that they see my excitement with what the content that we have and so 
that's they get excited. Yeah. Not necessarily that she's in charge, so I need to do what she's telling me and learn what she's telling me to learn. Yeah. The the way we hold power in our classrooms is really important and and yes. the and I think in this way Mason was it's one of the many ways I think that she was really ahead of her time I and mean, she's you know over 100 years old her right. her work now and uh and yet you just think about how current the issues of power are yes. and and how power differentials and um there's so much good conversation around that now and and so I'm I'm thankful for the ways in which Mason alerted us to this as Christians what is our responsibility how do we as teachers we have power in the classroom how do we use that for the benefit of these students and not right. to abuse that yeah can you say a word about competition and on page 68 she talks about competition sure. that's a um, it's related to some of the things we're talking about and sure. that's tricky also, right? It is a little tricky, but I do think there are definite positive ways, um, which students can inspire one another and yep. push themselves uh, to new limits because of, um, something they see in other students. And I think that sometimes students can go farther and deeper in their ideas and academic content. And so, those are the ways I like to see competition in the class, kind of this pursuit of this common learning and desire. Um, I like to see my students as a group that are working together in the pursuit of these goals. And um, I love pointing out to my own boys at, at home, as well as my students, how God has given us gifts. And my gifts might be different than your gifts mm -hmm. and how um, we're to use those gifts for his glory. And so um, I just how can we use our gifts to lift one another up? And so we do a lot of modeling in kindergarten with this um, of actions and words. And I will model to the class of, I really love how this student did this. And so it's so fun to hear as we get into the year, students begin to see those mm -hmm. gifts in other students and say, you're a really great drawer. I love that lion that you drew, or you're so good at counting. You counted all the way to 100. So I think that it can be a really healthy, great thing in the classroom, but it can also go awry sometimes um, if we start comparing ourselves, if students start comparing yeah. themselves and adults start comparing themselves. And um, if an unhealthy rivalry begins from that competition, um, that's where I see it not having a place in the classroom. Um, but I think healthy competition can be great when it's free of this envy and jealousy. Um, and so yeah. I think when students can be confident in their own gifts and abilities, mm -hmm. that's a really, really great way that we can inspire one another. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, I would think at kindergarten you have um, significant developmental um differences in the yes. kids too and that can enter into this because sure. what one child is able to do another is not quite ready to do that yet and so right. yeah. and we talk about a lot how development is you know some kids are developing physically more than others some people yeah. are developing in certain academic ways and how you know it's all a balance and so it's, I think celebrating what, where that child is in their development is really important. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to shift gears to the second big idea in this chapter that uh, I want to hit on, and that's atmosphere. 
uh, one of Charlotte Mason's big ideas was education is an atmosphere. And I think that's a that's a little abstract for folks to get their minds around. I think those of us that are in in schools and classrooms and and educational leaders at schools have a sense of that this is really important. I know as a as an administrator that I when when I step into a classroom, it's almost within the first sixty seconds of being in a classroom, you just you absorb it. You know so much already without mm-hmm. anybody saying much about the the way that things go on in that classroom you know who's doing the work here um who's welcome here um you know are, are people curious are they wondering are they there's just so much that an atmosphere captures and i wonder if you could say something about that because i think at kindergarten especially that's very important sure so i read a piece one time where the author compared the atmosphere of a classroom to that of a store Um, that different stores that we enter create these different atmospheres and it's not going to be the fixtures or the paint colors on the wall that we remember um, but it'll be the way that we were treated or the way that we felt and so are you greeted when you walk in or are you ignored are you talked down to or is the associate in the store you know genuinely there um, to help you and so I think in that same way teachers create an atmosphere um, that ex- students experience when they're in our classrooms. And so we want to provide an atmosphere that energizes and stimulates and encourages the students' learning. And so we want the students to feel respected um, where their ideas are welcomed and encouraged. And I really hope that we can give students the freedom to explore topics and to ask questions. And so the hours that are spent in the classroom should be ones where um, students are getting a love for learning and a relationship with ideas in the world around them. And so just with the goal of setting them up for this lifelong learning. Yeah. How does, um, how does our Christian faith, uh, Trinity, as a Christian school, how, how does that shape the way we think about the atmosphere of a class? I think that's probably the most important thing that we do as teachers. I think we have a responsibility as teachers to show the love of the Lord to our students, um, and we have that honor to do that. Um, we respect our students because they are created in the image of God, and so my desire is to create an environment where um, students can really st- start on their journey of their kingdom um, purpose on Mm -hmm. this earth. And so we want a classroom that inspires curiosity and values relationships and builds character. Um, And we belong to this beautiful world that was created. And there are amazing creatures and exotic plants and Mm -hmm. bugs. And um, each one of these inspires wonder. And so I think bringing this to the attention of students, each chance we get is really important. And I love how in kindergarten we can just marvel at God's creativeness of in, during creation. Um, I love mm. asking the students questions like, can you believe that God thought of every single detail during creation where he gave these giraffes these long necks because he knew that their food were going to be on these tall, tall trees. Um, and so just having them start thinking about these things. And I think we just have a responsibility to be diligent, to point our students, um, towards a creator in every, um, aspect of our day, you know, in math, when we talk about subitizing in kindergarten, where 
a student can look at a group and mm-hmm. just know that number. Isn't that amazing that God designed our brains to think in that way and learn in that way? And so it's just really fun as we go through the year to see the students start pointing out things to each other and to their teachers. And so um, I really go back to what Paul talked about in Philippians about whatever's right and pure and lovely and admirable or excellent or praiseworthy. Think about those things. Mm -hmm. And so those are things, those lovely things, those beautiful things, those excellent things. That's what I want my students to focus on. Yeah, that's great. You know, that passage from uh, Philippians is one that several people on the podcast have mentioned. It's really interesting Mm -hmm. to see how different folks keep coming back to that. That's something for us to think about. Yeah. um, I also think about hospitality, just as Christians welcoming our students in and that our classrooms are a place where they belong and where there's a, it's a safe place to learn and all that. Just those are the kinds of things that I think are sort of communicated in a hundred different ways that are not necessarily spoken, but communicated. Yeah. And I know you trendy teachers do such a good job with that. And I'm, I'm deeply appreciative of that. Um, so are there other ways that you as a teacher, uh, even particular things that you do, uh, to try to shape the atmosphere? I mean, just the way that you arrange the room or the way you, the students move around or, or don't, or what, you know, rules of the, of the, of the room. Yeah. I feel like, um, it's really important that we make a space in the classroom that nurtures the heart and the minds and the imaginations of children. And so I try to be really deliberate of how I do set up the room. What does this learning space look like? Are there different learning spaces? What is appropriate in one space and not appropriate in another space? And so, um, like I said, I want to be really deliberate with the things that I choose, the content, the materials, because I do believe that the students should be hearing the best literature, listening to the best music, um, viewing the best art, um, experiencing nature whenever possible. And so um, their day needs to be filled with all of these things to shape their education. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think as I listen to you, I think what a huge challenge COVID was for all of us, but especially for you kindergarten teachers are thinking about how do you, how do you create and maintain that atmosphere in the, in the spring of 2020 when you're on zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, then we came back and, you know, thank God we were in person, but also there were so many restrictions too. That really impacted atmosphere, didn't it? Absolutely. I think that everything had to be reimagined. Every piece of our day had to be reimagined. And I think it was, in some ways, it helped us to refine Uh what we do teach and pick out the very, very best things. And really, what do we want to focus on? I think it helped us to kind of laser focus on that. But yes, certainly it was a challenge. But um, I feel like the students still really flourished and they were able to learn um, even in some of these different ways that we had to set up the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I I have one last question for you. I wanted to think uh, some about uh, home. Uh, Mason has a lot to say about the partnership between home and school. And um, 
and I think our parents who are listening uh, might especially be interested to think about how do we shape our home to create the kinds of atmospheres that, that, that are working in tandem with the school. And I wonder if you could say a few words about that. Sure. I think that the atmosphere of home and school go hand in hand. And I think the best thing that we can do as parents and as teachers is to create an environment that's a safe haven for our children, a place where they feel completely loved, a place where their faith can grow, a place where they are surrounded with beauty and goodness, a place full of laughter, a place where the conversations are deep and rich and the relationships are affirmed. Um, And I think that we should be training our students and our own kids to really notice the creator in the world around them. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really inspiring vision and a hard one I think we'll all be challenged to live up to it, but it's something we can aspire to and, and pray for. And so, well, Lindsay, thank you for talking with me today. I'm really thankful for your work with our, with our youngest kids. I, I often say that we, we, the rest of us at Trinity owe this uh, huge debt of gratitude to you kindergarten teachers because you established so many habits we talked we're talking a lot about habits with mason and patterns and just uh, putting uh, students as charlotte mason said on the laying down the rails of life on which they will run um for uh, a long time so our our upper school faculty uh they are reaping the benefits of those habits that you've begun to uh, develop in the kids at early ages so thank you for all you do thank you chip The mission of Trinity School is to educate students in transitional kindergarten to grade 12 within the framework of Christian faith and conviction, teaching the classical tools of learning, providing a rich yet unhurried curriculum, and communicating truth, goodness, and beauty. Find out more at trinityschoolnc.org.